Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're continuing through our study of the letters of, of John. I hope that, just, that this has been encouraging to you. Um, a cursory view of, of the text of a particular letter is always good, always good to, to read through and to read for pleasure, shall we say. It's also good to go back and dig through and to really try to get the, the full meaning and the full uh, breadth which the author is trying to express to his readers. And I hope this has been encouraging to you. I know it's been um, good for me and um, going back and, and digging through. So we're in 1 John chapter 3. Last week we looked at the first 12 verses and um, made some applications there and talked about what he says there in verse 1, how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And what a wonderful blessing that is. Uh, tonight we're going to pick up in verse 13 and go through the end of, the, of chapter 3. And I want us to think about this idea of passing out of death into life. This is our sixth lesson in, in the study of uh, the epistles of John. And um, what he says there in verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. That's really the focus of our study tonight in these verses. But we're going to go back and look at it more closely. But this idea of passing out of death into life, we're talking about passing out of spiritual death into spiritual life. And we'll make that a little bit more clear as we go through. So let's jump right in and talk about uh, the first four verses here or so. Let's read verses 13 through 17 from 1 John chapter 3. It says, Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not abide, uh, he who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So this first section here, let's talk about loving the brethren. And this is a common theme uh, throughout John's writings here. And he goes back to it over and over again about loving the brethren, how important it is for us to love each other. And we do that and we display the love that we have for the Father by loving the, brother, the, the brethren. He starts off by, under, by letting his readers understand that the world is going to hate those who are loyal to God. This is not a new concept. This is something that uh, God's children have dealt with all along. But he tells them not to be surprised about it. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. And I'm sure that we have come in contact with uh, some ill feelings towards ourselves because of our faith. In John's gospel, uh, in him quoting our Lord, our Lord says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me 
um, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So Jesus, in his, in his ministry, telling his disciples that the world's going to hate you, and it, and it is because it hated me first. Now, if you go along with the world, if you go along with uh, the things that are of the world, then the world's not going to hate you. But once you step away, once you step into the kingdom and step out of the world, then the world's going to hate you. And Paul expresses it this way in, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. Indeed, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we ought not to be surprised when persecutions come our way and when the world hates us. Don't be surprised about that. But we, what we should know is something that's, that's expressed here. And when we talk about this first couple of words here, we know. We know. We ought to be assured of. We ought to have no doubt that we have passed out of, out of death into life. And I've added spiritual there to help us understand what John is talk, talking about. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brethren. He's talking, of course, out of spiritual death and into spiritual life. And he's referring to, of course, here, what we go through with the death and burial and baptism. That's the death to the old body of sin. And then the resurrection, to walk in newness of life. To be buried in baptism, to be raised up out of the waters. To walk in newness of life, as Paul expresses there in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. That's what John is equating this to, or what he's referencing here, that we have passed out of death. We have been reborn. Remember, his audience here are Christians. His audience are those who have indeed put on Christ. So we can be assured of, we know that this, this has taken place. That we have passed out of death into life, that we walk in newness of life. And because... Uh, and, and, and because this has happened, there's a, there's a result of that that should be seen in us because we love the brethren. So the, the, the outward appearance that, that shows that we have passed out of death and, and into life is how we treat each other. That's how we know. It says there in verse, at the end of verse 14, because we love the brethren. And it says, he who does not love the brethren abides in death. So when we love the brethren, it demonstrates our spiritual life, it demonstrates that indeed this is a relationship that we are in, that we are indeed walking in newness of life. And that's how that's displayed. And the end part of that there is not abiding in death. And the point, the very strong point he's going to make here in just a moment, not abiding in death, but what? Living a spiritual life, walking in newness of life, as Paul expresses. So when we talk about love, uh, loving the brethren, it's the idea of loving and not hating. Because he says there, what, uh, verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So John here is talking in some very strong language about what it means to hate a brother. And in the way he puts it here, if you hate your brother, that's equal to murder. That's equal to being a murderer if you hate your brother. And he goes on to make the point that murderers don't go to heaven. You ever thought about it in that way? You ever thought about how important it is for us to love one another? 
Here John expresses it by equating it with being a murderer. So we hate our brother. It's equal to being a murderer. With that in mind, he talks about how Jesus has laid down his life for us. Jesus gave his life for us. So what does it tell us? It says that we should be willing to do the same for our brother. Now, I've, I brought this up in past lessons, but are we really ready to lay down our life for our brethren? Fortunately, I, very few in this world are called to do that. But we ought to have that mindset. We ought to be able to uh, understand that God expects us to do whatever our brother needs. Look there in verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, we should be willing to do the same for our brother, and we should be willing not to withhold anything. Whatever our brother might need, whatever we can provide that, that we have in our own lives, if we're holding that back, John says, how can we abide in the Father? Not withholding anything um, from God. And this is indeed abiding in him. If this is the care and concern that we have for our brother, this is how we demonstrate our love for the Father. He goes on in verses 18 through 22, and he talks about uh, loving in deed and truth. Let's read, uh, pick back up in our reading, and let's read verses 18 through 22. He says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We shall know by this that we are of the truth, and, uh, and shall assure our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So in this section here, he's talking about loving in deed and truth. So how is it that we are to love? How, how do we demonstrate uh, love for the brethren in this particular context. Well, he, sells, he, he tells us how we ought not to do it first. He says that we ought not to love with, with simply words. He says with word or with tongue. We know what that means, don't, don't we? Hey, I hope you feel better. Hey, how you doing? That's small talk. That's engaged in uh, some care and concern for our brethren. But he goes on to say... How we really demonstrate our love is with, with truthful deeds. It's, it's fine to be uh, concerned about our brethren, but what are we doing in response to that? What kind of deeds are we doing to carry forth that concern and to, and to, and to change it from concern to actual doing of something? But whoever has the world's goods, back there in verse 17, and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him. See, that's, that's what we have to avoid. But what we're looking for are those truthful, truthful deeds. Um, we shall know that, that this is that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him and whatever our heart condemns us. So what we ought to do is first understand that it's not merely enough just to say it with words. It has to be followed with those truthful deeds. And when we talk about truthful deeds, we're talking about being true to God's intentions. The works that God has set forth for us, for us to do, those are the works that we ought to be engaged in. 
the works that we might think uh, would be approved by God, we have to be very careful. Make sure that indeed it is approved by God and engage in those kind of deeds. Our deeds demonstrate our knowledge. He, he says here, as this is going through, we shall know, verse 19, we shall know by this that we are of the truth um, and shall assure our hearts before him. Our deeds demonstrate our knowledge in that we are practicing the truth. What has the truth told us? The truth has told us to love our brethren, to take care of his needs, to look after each other. That's what truth tells us. So are we putting that into practice? Are we indeed practicing the truth, demonstrating our knowledge through our deeds? And thereby what we are doing is we are constantly assuring our own faith. If we are engaged in this, actively pursuing those things of the kingdom, then we're constantly assuring our faith. And when we fall short, then our heart condemns us. Our heart condemns us when we're lacking. And I think we, we understand what that is. When we see something where, where we might fall short, where we might feel like we have not served the brethren well or served anybody well, that little feeling of guilt might come over us, might it? That's where our heart steps in. Our heart condemns us when we're lacking. But what's so wonderful in what John expresses here is, is that God recognizes our weaknesses. He knows that we are weak. Understand this is not an excuse not to be active and actively serving in the kingdom, but God recognizes our weaknesses. And he says that, our, uh, that he helps us because he is greater than our hearts. So where we fall short, that's where the grace of God is. And each day that we have more opportunity, that's God's grace, giving us more opportunity to serve him. So he is greater than our hearts. So what we ought to do and ought to understand is we can have the confidence before him. Um, if our hearts don't condemn us, so if we are practicing uh, the will of God and doing those truthful deeds, then our hearts don't condemn us. And as such, we have confidence to stand before him. So when, when we're weak and when we're falling short, our heart tells us that we're doing that. If we are true to ourselves, if we are constantly training ourselves and seeking after righteousness, and our hearts condemn us because we are... are studying and learning more about the truth. And that's what really condemns us in the end, is that our heart knows what the truth is. But if we have the confidence, uh, if our hearts don't condemn us, if we are, are putting into practice the things that we ought to do, then we can stand confident before God. And what a blessing that is. And that is to say that if we are practicing righteousness, if we are seeking after him, and seeking to do those simple things that he wants us to do. Live a godly life. Tell others about Christ. Love the brethren. If we're seeking after those things, he's going to bless us. And he's going to help us along. And John says here that he's going to give us the things that we ask for. You know, it's, it's so important to, when we pray, to pray in confidence. What is it we know that this congregation ought to do in this community? We ought to encourage one another. We ought to build one another up. We ought to admonish each other when, we, when we're wrong. We ought to seek to spread the gospel in this community. 
So if we're praying for that, if we're actively pursuing that, then God's going to bless us. And we have to have the confidence that he will indeed do that. He gives us what we ask for. If we are keeping his commandments, if we are pursuing those things that he has commanded us to do, when we stray off that path, that's when bad things can happen. So what's involved then in, in keeping his commandments? Let's read verses 23 and 24 here. It says, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. And the one who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And we know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So what is exactly Uh, The commandments that we are to keep. What commandments is it that we are to keep? John spells it out right here. He says, first of all, that we believe in the name of of his son, Jesus Christ. It's so crucial, so simple, but so crucial in the life of a Christian. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. What all does that entail? That entails the prophecy about the coming of the Christ. That entails knowing and understanding his ministry while he was on this earth. The things that he taught. And then knowing and understanding how he was put to death at the hands of men. And like we talked about this morning in our class, how all that transpired according to the will of God. All that is wrapped up in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. So believing in the name of Jesus Christ entails all of that. Believing in the gospel message, believing who Jesus Christ was. And then he says we have to love each other, just as he has told us to do. Simple, right? Believe in Jesus Christ and his name, being the son of the living God, and love one another. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Love, the, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds familiar, right? Those are the commandments that we ought to follow. And if we do, if we are doing that, it says that we abide in him and he in us. So there's that mutual abiding. And to me, that is so encouraging to think about uh, God abiding with me. Sometimes I think we, uh, especially the world, thinks of a God as a removed um, uh, being sitting on high and uh, dictating um, his will. And part of that is true. I mean, he is that exalted presence, don't get me wrong. But God is a personal God, too. God is, is involved in the hearts and souls of men because John is telling us that he is. If we abide in him, if we seek after him, if we're doing the believing in Jesus Christ, loving each other, then he's going to abide with us. And how do we know that? John says we know because he has given us the Spirit. Throughout the writing here, John talks about knowing. And again, this goes back to one of the original things that we mentioned at our outset, part of John's purpose is writing to refute the Gnostics. The Gnostics were those who said that you can't really know God, that only those of special uh, uh, knowledge themselves, that's where the word Gnostic comes from, only they can truly know the will of God. When we see John writing in language like this, we know, that's his refutation of these Gnostics. And so he says, we know because he has given us the Spirit. 
we know what? We know that God abides in us if we abide in him. We know that if we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, if we love one another, that God's going to abide in us. We know that. We can know that. We can know the mind of God as much as he has told us that, he, that we can. So that's a uh, direct refuting of this false teaching of the Gnostics. It says, we know because he has given us the Spirit. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Doesn't that sound like uh, passing out of death into life? The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit. So when we are baptized and, and come up out of the baptismal waters to walk in newness of life, Paul expresses here that his Spirit dwells in you. God has given us the Spirit. Now, the Spirit, understand that the Spirit doesn't animate us. It doesn't give us any special revelation. It doesn't uh, tell us what to do apart from God's Word. But that's what the promise has been uh, to us, that we will receive the Holy Spirit. And indeed, that's what we have. And that's how God abides in us, is through the Holy Spirit. So let's not shy away from talking about how the Spirit dwells within us. But understand that there's a very strong reason and a very good reason why this is so. And John helps us to understand that. We know that God abides in us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful blessing that is. So that takes us through chapter 3. We will pick up next week and start in chapter 4 and continue our study through John's writings here. Finish 1 John and then go on, go on and look at 2nd and 3rd John as well. hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope that um, an in-depth study of a text is, is, uh, is encouraging and helps you to really appreciate the Holy Spirit and His work in revealing God's Word to us. If you have uh, needs of the congregation, uh, if uh, you need to uh, express anything to the brethren in a public way, we, we offer an invitation here at the end of our time. If you have something that you need to take care of in a private manner, take, take care of that as well. But if you need the help of the congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.